Happy Halloween, my dear listeners. I'm back with another Halloween episode and the last in our series on famed Gothic horror writer Edgar Allan Poe. In the last four episodes, we've covered Poe's life, the mysterious circumstances of his death, all the places still standing that are associated with the author, and a special on Grip the Raven, who inspired Poe's eponymous work. Beyond the Raven, we haven't really talked specifics about any of Poe's other writings, so in the spirit of Halloween, today we're going to talk about the true inspirations for some of his most ghastly tales. We're going in order of publication, and if any of them catch your fancy, I hope that you seek these stories out. All of them can be found for free to read online. Many, if not all, are on Project Gutenberg, and I will be linking that in the show notes. So it's time to get cozy, wrap yourself in a blanket, and light up your candelabra. We're starting with Poe's first horror story, Berenice, written in 1835. How is it that from beauty I have derived a type of unloveliness, from the covenant of peace, a simile of sorrow? But as, in ethics, evil is a consequence of good, so, in fact, out of joy is sorrow born. Either the memory of past bliss is the anguish of today, or the agonies which have their origin in the ecstasies which might have been. Those are some of the opening lines of Berenice, and pretty typical subject matter for Poe. If you've not read Berenice, here's a quick summary. Aegeus and Berenice are cousins who grow up in a creepy old crumbling mansion and are engaged to be married. Like most women in Poe's writing, Berenice is beautiful, but slowly dying of an unnamed disease. The only part of her untouched by disease are her perfect white teeth, which Aegeus obsesses over. When Berenice dies, Aegeus succumbs to madness, and when he regains consciousness, is told that someone has disturbed Berenice's grave. He looks down, and his clothing is muddy, and a shovel, dental tools, and 32 perfect white teeth are all nearby. Pretty macabre. Must be totally from Poe's mind, right? wrong. In 1833, when Poe was living in Baltimore, there was an article that came out in the Baltimore Saturday Visitor. The article reported that a group of grave robbers had been caught. Their treasure? Teeth that would be fashioned into dentures. Readers found Berenice so shocking that they wrote to the Southern Literary Messenger and complained. An edited version came out a few years later. True. Nervous very, very dreadfully nervous. I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Those lines are from one of Poe's most famous stories, The Telltale Heart, published in 1843. In this story, a man is driven mad by the eye of his landlord, and he ends up murdering him. When police come to investigate, he ends up confessing because he can hear the steady drumming of the old man's heart rising from the floorboards where his body was hidden. This one was based on a real-life murder and trial that happened in Salem, Massachusetts in 1830. An 82-year-old man named Captain Joseph White lived with his niece, Mary Beckford, who worked as his housekeeper. 
Her daughter, also named Mary, was engaged to Joseph White's grandnephew, Joseph Knapp. Joseph White was not a nice guy. In fact, his family hated him. He was very wealthy and would change his will constantly, depending on his mood, and use that as a weapon to get his family members to do as he wanted. He hated his grandnephew, and when Mary married Joseph Knapp without White's consent, he disinherited her and fired Knapp. Knapp was enraged and devised a scheme to steal the will and update it so that Mary would inherit everything, and he hired a local criminal to murder the old man. In the dead of night, the old man was bludgeoned and stabbed to death. Another criminal found out about the plot, which led to a trial with a famous lawyer named Daniel Webster, who was known to be a brilliant orator. In the court transcripts, Webster said, The secret which the murderer possesses soon comes to possess him. It overcomes him. He feels it beating at his heart, rising to his throat and demanding disclosure. He thinks the whole world sees it in his face, reads it in his eyes, and almost hears its workings in the very silence of his thoughts. It has become his master. And then there stole into my fancy, like a rich musical note, the thought of what sweet rest there must be in the grave. Perhaps Poe's most gruesome work was The Pit and the Pendulum, published in 1842. A prisoner of the Spanish Inquisition finds himself in a prison cell where he can either fall into a bottomless pit or be sliced to death by the blade of a pendulum slowly descending toward him. In the end, he is saved by the French army. Okay, so apparently the Spanish Inquisition only ended eight years prior to this story's publication. Let that sink in. It started under Ferdinand and Isabella. We're talking 350 years here. A book published in 1825 called The Philosophy of Religion detailed the torture methods the French army found when they entered Spain in 1808. The torture Poe dreamed up was fiction. But yeah, if you want to go down a gruesome rabbit hole, Google the Spanish Inquisition and prepare to stay up all night. And the life of the ebony clock went out with that of the last of the gay, and the flames of the tripods expired, and darkness and decay and the red death held illimitable dominion over all. The Mask of the Red Death, published in 1842, is probably the most uncomfortable story on this list because it is eerily relevant to our COVID pandemic times. In this story, a mysterious plague called the Red Death sweeps the land and people die horrifically within one hour of contracting it. It sounds like Ebola where you just bleed out from everywhere. Prince Prospero and a thousand nobles find sanctuary from the plague in an abbey. They end up having a massive masquerade ball with seven rooms each a different color. At midnight, a figure in a blood-spattered robe and a mask that looks like a corpse shows up. To the party-goer's horror, they find that the costume is empty. There's no person underneath the robe. And surprise, they each have the Red Death now. This was written after the cholera epidemic of 1832, which swept the globe, including Baltimore, where Poe was living at the time. In Paris, people thought it was literally the end of the world and were like, well, we might as well throw a party. So they had a giant masquerade ball and someone showed up dressed as cholera. There was a drawing of the event, which I have linked to, and it was later published in the New York Mirror, which is probably where Poe saw it. A wrong is unredressed when retribution overtakes its redresser. It is equally unredressed when the avenger fails to make himself felt as such to him who has done the wrong. 
One of my favorite Poe stories is The Cask of Amontillado, published in 1846. In this story, Monstressor, a nobleman, hates Fortunato for some unspecified reason. During Carnival, Fortunato is dressed as a jester and very drunk. Monstressor lures him down to the catacombs for a wine tasting, but instead chains Fortunato to the wall and then bricks him in as Fortunato cries for mercy. So creepy and so evil. There are actually several inspirations for this story. First off, in 1844, a skeleton was discovered in the walls of the Church of St. Lorenzo in Italy. Second, and much closer to home, when Poe was stationed in Boston, he heard a legend that in 1817, a lieutenant was killed in a duel on Christmas Day by another lieutenant after a card game gone wrong. According to the legend, the other servicemen wanted to get revenge, so they got the lieutenant drunk, and from here, it's the same story. They lured him down into the dungeon, chained him up, and bricked him in. That wasn't true, though, because the man lived until 1846 after having been acquitted from that crime. A skeleton was found on the island, however, and this is probably where Poe got the idea. The last source of inspiration was from Poe's enemy, Thomas Dunn English. The two were basically having a rap battle with their writing, each insulting each other in their publications. The Cask of Amontillado apparently has a lot of references insulting Thomas Dunn English. All right, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed our spooky series on Edgar Allan Poe. If you need some more spooky, please check out last year's Halloween episodes on Houdini and on Erzabet or Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. Both are linked in the show notes. I'll be taking a week or two off to research for November and December episodes, so I hope you'll join me then. In the meantime, have a safe and wonderful Halloween, Samhain, and Day of the Dead. (laughs) 